Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Kate. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here. We have a bulletin for you uh, in the back and also sermons, uh, a copy of the sermon if you'd like to follow along. We believe in certain practices that you can find on the back of your bulletin, the first of which is radical hospitality. What are the ways in which we can go above and beyond and try to be a welcoming congregation to our church? Our latest endeavor in that is our newsletter. Um, we have newsletters in the back. It's a bright, beautiful, multi-page um, newsletter. We've worked very hard over the summer to make our um, digital communication the best it can possibly be, as simple as it can be, as accurate as it can be. But we know that there are plenty of people who don't want to look at a computer or a phone or a computer. The computer or a phone or a tablet, whatever. Um, none of it. Um, so the newsletter is a bright and beautiful version of what is in the electronic version. So I want you uh, to get one of those in the back if you like. There'll be a new one every month. A little bit of it will be looking backwards, celebrating what's behind us. And a little bit will be looking forward. Make sure that you know that this is what's coming. And uh, also uh, other elements of that. We can email it as well. So for those of you who want to look at it that way, it'll be in the email. You don't need to take one. But if you would like to have one in your hands and be reading something, uh, be sure and grab one on your way out. Um, the next thing that we're going to talk about is dinner. We have our first Wednesday dinner this Wednesday. This is your last chance to say that you would like to come. It's a very simple way to do that. You just write in the uh, attendance register as it goes by your name and a number of people that you would like to come. And our children's director and family ministries director, Aaron Knight, is going to tell you why you want to come. Good morning. The dinner is not to be missed. We will have two options for your entree, chicken and wild rice or meatloaf. And for children, they can choose between baked or fried chicken fingers. Um, there will be green beans, macaroni and cheese, a roll, tea, and a chocolate cake. Uh, but I don't know that even as good as that menu is, it's the best part. Um, the James Brothers, who are an a cappella uh, gospel duet, um, they will be singing for us in the social hall during the meal. And I know that they are not to be missed. They've won many awards for their um, singing and storytelling. So please do sign up on the uh, roster, and uh, we'll see you on Wednesday at 6. The children begin practice tonight at 5 o'clock when they come to the church here in the sanctuary. And that's because they are singing in worship, in traditional worship, next week. Um, they're going to go back and forth between our two services, uh, starting at Aaron's uh, direction next Sunday. Uh, which leads me to uh, passionate worship. Um, you do not want to miss worship this month. I would tell you you don't want to miss it, period. Ever. Um, but you, especially this month is important. Next week in, the, in this service, the children will sing. Um, then next week in this service, Bishop Williman will be here um, to preach to us and, and talk about his book. I know that uh, many of you go to adult Sunday school classes. I know that they are a serious form of fellowship and learning. I would encourage you this one time. I won't ask you very often, um, but if you could miss Sunday school next week and join us in the social hall, Bishop Williman's going to have a question and answer and just uh, talk to us about a number of things about his book about leadership. He, um, uh, very interesting speaker. So on the 16th, if you could miss Sunday school and be in the social hall, uh, I, I think you would like it. Bob and Bobby are back. Um, we believe in intentional faith development. And Bob and Bobby are a team that teaches on Sunday nights to adults. And classes will resume uh, tonight at 530 in the social hall. I would strongly encourage you to be there. 
And there's one more thing. And I'm going to call our um, uh, chair of the Staff Parish Relations Committee forward. Kenna Owens is, is the chair. Staff Parish is like the HR of any United Methodist Church. So that has been a busy group this month, this uh, year. And uh, she has a special presentation uh, that you can see here. Good morning. I would like to ask Ann Hammond to come up and join me, please. This is not easy for Ann. We've had to kind of surprise her, and she doesn't like attention called to herself. <laughs> While Ann's making her way up here, um, I'd like to take a few minutes to tell you about um, a member of our church who is a true servant. Come on up, Ann. Stand beside me. Okay. Ann is a lifelong member of Memorial Methodist Church. She has held many, many positions here. Her most recent position has been financial secretary and treasurer. Now, a couple of months ago, Ann let us know that it was time for her to step down from this position. And, of course, uh, our committee was left in a quandary. I mean, how do you replace Ann? Uh, you don't. <laughs> no, you, you just don't. When preparing what I was going to say today, I asked Joe, you know, Joe, tell me again, um, what is her, what is her exact title? What, what is it exactly? Because I know she does so much. And Joe's response was, you know, you just need to tell the congregation that when it comes to the church finances, she knows everything and she does everything. <laughs> And, and, and that pretty much sums it up. Our committee found that actually, you know, when you, you try to break down what Ann does, um, the lines get blurred. And that's because Ann just does not fit into a job description. She doesn't just do what's been told to go with that job. Because when she sees a need, she feels it. I mean, we are still... <laughs> discovering things that Ann did for this church that we didn't know that she did. We just uh, took it for granted because it was always done. Now Ann has the opposite of look at me personality. She never ever talks about what she does. She just goes about her job and she never expects credit. She's faced many personal challenges, and when her husband Tom was gravely ill and he was in the hospital, I contacted Ann um, to let her know that we would be prepared to take over her responsibilities at the church while she was caring for Tom. And of course, it came as no surprise to me when, I, you know, I can't remember what it was, but she gave me one small task that I could do, and I easily did, but she said to me, um, I can handle the rest. I can do this. You know, at a time when most of us would have said, I quit, and I can't do that anymore, and I've got to take care of this, Anne chose to serve. She has always had our church's best interest at heart. For years, she has stood in the narthex during this service, and she has stood in the Family Life Center during the contemporary service, handing out, personally, quarterly statements. 
Now, nobody's ever asked her to do this, but she just believes in saving our church money on the postage. And if she can find you, she's going to hand deliver it. <laughs> she's a good steward. Now, if you've ever worked on a committee with Ann, you have seen that she is both efficient and effective. Uh, I can't speak for others, but I know when I'm in a committee meeting with her, I, I tend to sit a little straighter. <laughs> and, I, and I make sure that I have my notes and that everything is in order because I'm here to tell you Ann does not play. I mean, she does. She is there to conduct church business, and you better be prepared. She also has become our church historian. I mean, I don't know how many times in our committee someone has said, well, I'll ask Ann. <laughs> she knows what we did in the past. She knows why we did it. And she knows whether or not it worked. Now, with all of this in mind, our committee wanted to honor Ann for all that she means to our church. And we were determined to find something that would be meaningful to show our appreciation. And if you'll look right down there on this table, Marsha Mays, one of our committee members, found a local artist, Cheryl Hill from Greenville, and she works in stained glass. And she has made this beautiful stained glass nativity scene for Anne. We have it on display right here on the table in front of you. Um, at the end, well, in just a few minutes, Marsha and I are going to move this display over here out of the way because we're going to have communion. We don't want anything to happen to it. Um, I'm going to ask Ann if after the service you will go and stand here. And I would like for you to come by and speak to Ann, show her your appreciation, and look at this beautiful, beautiful nativity scene. Anne, we miss you. You cannot be replaced. We know that. But we are so grateful that we can worship in this beautiful church that Anne has served so well for so many years. And we are grateful for your service. You have set the bar high. We are grateful that we can continue to worship with you and your beautiful family. So I ask you now, would you please join me in congratulating Ann Hammond for her job well done. When I asked Ann, tell me what you do exactly so that I can tell the person, she said, not much of anything, really. <laughs> I said, come on, man. You know that's not right. But that's the way she is, and we're so grateful. Kenna, thank you. Um, Marsha, thank you. And uh, let's just forego going out the back door and saying hello. I'm just going to hang out back there and be the last one to say uh, hello to Miss Ann. If y'all exit that way, I, I, I would appreciate it. Let's stand and join together in our uh, first hymn, number 625.
Apostles' Creed. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, His only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day He rose from the dead, He ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence He shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Our first scripture lesson for today is from the book of Psalm, chapter 102, verses 1 through 11. Hear my prayer, Lord. Let my cry for you help. Let my cry from, you, from help come to you. Do not hide your face from me. When I'm, in, when I'm in distress, turn your ear to me. When I call, answer me quickly. For my days vanish like smoke. My bones burn like glowing embers. My heart is belighted and withered like grass. I forget to eat my food. In my distress, I groan aloud and am reduced to skin and bones. I am like a desert owl, an owl among the ruins. I lie awake. I have become like a bird alone on a roof. All day long, my enemies taunt me. Those who rail against me use my name as a curse. For I eat ashes as my food and mingle my drink with tears. Because of your great wrath, for you have taken me up and thrown me aside. My days are like the evening shadow. I wither away like grass. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, like the author of the psalm, at times we feel we have nothing left. Either over a prolonged illness or loss or sadness or a shocking one that smashes us. We feel abandoned. We feel alone. We feel that everything around us is dry and arid. There is no life. But we take comfort in the fact that the psalmist wrote it. Not stopping at the fact that they felt brokenhearted, but acknowledging the fact that you were listening. And that that moment, that time, was short term. When we feel weak, when we feel broken, when we feel as if we cannot join this group, help us to remember the psalmist who called out to you. When you call us to leadership, when you call us to dust ourselves off, to get up, to get going, help us to remember the prayer in which your son taught his disciples, in which we now pray. 
Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever. Amen. It's now time for our tithes and other offerings. I'll encourage you to pass the attendance sheet and mark if you want to come to the dinner. And if you would like to give electronically, there are instructions in the bulletin.
like to do it again. <laughs> Let's do it again. Thank you. I'll tell you why. Two reasons. One, I know Don lays into it on the second time. And I like that. But two, um, that's one of my mother's favorite hymns. We are um, quite similar and quite different. My uh, base setting is to do. And her base setting is to be. And she's always telling me. You gotta ask for help. You gotta pray and you gotta be. And then maybe you can do. Uh, so that reminds me of her. We're in week seven of our um, looking at Bishop Williman's book, Fear of the Other. And it leads us to a passage that you may be familiar with. It has a, uh, perhaps a slightly different tone today, as many of ours throughout this uh, series have. It's in Acts chapter 9, and it's on page 1706 in your pew Bible. We'll read big chunks together, so if you'd like to keep your Bible out, I would encourage you to do so. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul. Why do you persecute me? The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You've heard the phrase, his bark is worse than his bite. It has to do with both dogs and human beings. I've heard it many, many times. I've heard it many, many times before I ever had a dog. And now we actually have one. And we take him quite frequently to the dog park on Highway 14 across 85. And it's such an amazing thing to watch how the environment changes with every new dog that comes in. Your dog, when you go in, everybody's like, oh, look at this guy. And they all, let's um, sniff each other. It'll be amazing. And then let's run around and then let's sniff each other again. And every once in a while, there's the dynamic that existed remains the same. But every once in a while, a dog comes in and that dog is running the show. And everybody knows it, every human knows it, every dog knows it. That dog never in his or her life has to bark. Don't have to. Because everybody involved knows what's going on. It's the ones that are somewhat like my dog. He'll, although he doesn't bark, he has that kind of personality. He's about, uh, I'd say a good, 10, 10 and a half inches off the ground, maybe even 10 and three quarter off the ground. Um, but he feels 
Everybody needs to know that um, he, he, he's in this uh, yard as well. And anyone, any dog or any human that feels a little scared will bark a little bit more. But you know the ones that never bark at all. They're the ones that can be the intimidating ones in the room. Usually it's one or the other. Paul, Saul, at this point, has both. Not only is he breathing out murderous threats, coming after anyone in any synagogue anywhere, he's following up with it. He's coming for anyone who says, as it said, belong to the way. That meaning people who were following Jesus Christ after his death and resurrection. Saul sees it as his divine purpose to rid the world of people who were following Jesus because they didn't have it right in the first place and they were going against what God wanted. So in the name of God, he has both bark and bite. So the question is, how's he doing it? Well, it's because there's names on a list. Anyone who is acknowledged in any way on any list, he is coming for them. Doesn't that sound like Nazi Germany? We are truly coming to eliminate you and your family if you were to put your name on a list. You ever get asked to provide an email or a phone number at some sort of event where you may or may not engage this group going forward? What do you, do you want to give them your main email where they could actually reach you? That doesn't seem like something I want to do. You ever go online and you're on there and it says, you're going to have to give us an email. There's no reason you need my email. I actually have a fake one for that express purpose that I check about once every six weeks just to see if anything's going on. I just get too many emails to put my name on that list. You ever ask to put a phone number on a list and you think, oh, if I put a phone number on a the list, they're going to call me. These are minor hassles. This version is a truly life-threatening event should your name be found by him to be associated with Christianity. But then Saul sees a bright light, a big light. And, um, you know, popular culture, movies, books, us talking to one another, sometimes the light can be a good thing, sometimes not. Sometimes when someone says they see a light, it is the end of their life or the perceived end of their life. And it's quite frightening. So when he sees a bright, blinding light, it can be frightening. The other thing, the other way people use that is say, he finally saw the light and put the plate not in the bowl section of the dishwasher, but in the plate section of the dishwasher. He finally didn't put the remote down in that little crevice where it falls down in the couch, and we don't find it again for another six weeks. He saw the light, and he put the remote on the table. I'm just throwing that out there. I've never seen that sort of thing. Nobody's ever said that thing about me. Today, I'm sure he does not want to die, and he has no clarity. He's simply been knocked off his horse. We use that phrase all the time too. No idea. Verse 5. Who are you, Lord, he says, and it's a capital L. He knows that somebody's serious. It, it's real. This is truly God in some form. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but didn't see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. 
So they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. So that's such impact. There's a lot of things in there. Number one, imagine if you were going with a person that you consider to be the toughest person in your region, the toughest person you've ever met, the person you're following in to do whatever it is, and he gets knocked off his horse and knows nothing. That would be very disorienting to his followers. Number two, it says he could not see. And um, uh, my mother is a retired media specialist, librarian her entire life. She goes to Jonesboro, Tennessee, I think it's Tennessee, maybe Virginia, to a storytelling festival every year for two weeks or a week or something. Those people have no phones, no TVs, no th it's just an individual telling a story for 45 minutes. That's much more like scripture than anything we ever do. Scripture has little keys, little parts of stories that trigger something that make you aware of something significant. So it's a double entendre. Saul can neither see what Jesus is trying to do. He hasn't ever. Nor can he actually physically see. There are parables about it. There are stories about it in which a blind man understands what Jesus is doing. A person who cannot see visually can see that Jesus is up to something special. And then at the very end, how many days was uh, he trying to figure it out? How many days was he blind? Three. There's true significance in that. The fact of a person who, whatever I was doing, I'm not sure what it was, I'm not sure what it is, and I'm not sure what's going forward, and everyone around me, for three days... He just has to sit and ponder without being able to see. The thing I love about it is Jesus essentially says, breaks over. Let's go. He says, I know you can't see right now and I know you've been falling off your horse. I know you're completely disoriented. I know you don't know what in the world is going on, but let's go because we're going to go do something important. You think he's disoriented. Let's look at verse 10. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord came to him in a vision. Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, Go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul, for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place hands on him to restore his sight. Lord, Ananias answered. I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your holy people in Jerusalem. And he has come here with authority from the chief priests to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, Go! This man is my chosen instrument to proclaim my name to the Gentiles and their kings and to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. So there's a scene in the Kate household every single night. And it varies from 9 o'clock, I'd say 7.30 to 9.15. And it is the um, we need y'all to go to bed. We need you to go take a shower. We need you to read your book. We need you to go to bed. These are not new concepts. <laughs> these have been, we have talked about these for their entire lives. Every night they go well what about this thing? Or they come up with, uh, um, I drew you a special um, picture. <laughs> Fair enough. I fall for it sometimes. Because I'm like, oh, for real? 
Oh. And Katie is looking at me. Uh, and then they'll come, they'll, they'll go down the hallway if y'all ever been to the parsonage and um, we'll be in the den. They'll come, you can hear them coming. They come back around the door and they go, um, I was just, um, there was this thing for school. I didn't even, uh, we hadn't talked about it yet. This word here, uh, um, 15. What did the Lord say to Ananias? One word. Exclamation point. Go. The reason I tell him to go is because Ananias said to him, uh, that guy is here to kill all of us. And he's killed a lot of other people. And I don't even like him. And if he can't see, fantastic. That's better for me. I don't even like him. God says, go. What does God want him to do? He wants him to move on from his emotional wounds that Saul has caused him. He wants him to move on from the physical wounds that Saul has caused his peers. You know how hard that is to do? Y'all ever talk about something that a server did nine years ago at a restaurant? Or something that a person did on an airplane 12 years ago? You say, you ever flown out of Charlotte? Oh, you... Just sit down. I got a story for you. I flew out of Charlotte one time in 2001. And then you tell the story of your horrific heartbreak. We remember things in a way that somebody hurt us for eons. It is stamped for good. Forget if they actually harmed us or harmed another person. Jesus says to Saul, get up and go. Because somebody's coming. He says to Ananias, get up and go. Because the way you're going to heal yourself is through ministry in my name. Let's go. 17. Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul. The Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. You figure that's a double entendre again? You're going to see again and you're going to see what we're trying to do. Immediately something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he could see again. He got up and was baptized and after taking some food he regained his strength. And here's the pattern that existed that day before that day, today, and after today. Sacrament. We have baptism and Holy Communion, and in both we celebrate God's promise and our re-affirmation uh, uh, of our commitment to the covenant that has been offered to us. Meal. We just talked about a meal that's coming on Wednesday. We love to eat. And it's in the history of people of religion since there were people of religion. Let's have something to eat. Then sending forth. From this place, you will go and you will create other tables in which other people who are feeling deep emotional and physical wounds will understand that God loves them through you. Because it's either going one way or another. It's either that person's been hurt, they lash out at you, you're hurt, you lash out at them, they're hurt, they lash out at them, on and on. Or it's I've been healed, I'm going to be with you. I've been healed, I'm going to be with you. I've been healed, I'm going to be with you. A constant pattern from the first day to today 
and always. Now, we don't have baptism today, but we have our other sacrament of Holy Communion. So you'll come forward. And before you do, you'll acknowledge corporately. All of us will acknowledge as a group, we tried and we didn't get it done like we had hoped, like you had hoped. We will also acknowledge forgiveness. Then we'll eat with one another with the express purpose of being healed that we can then go and share other tables. Sacrament, meal, sending forth. Let us pray. Gracious God, we thank you for the example of Ananias. Though he felt great fear and maybe a little bitterness, after he gave one request, he listened. And as he arrived with Saul, he called him brother. And as he placed his hand on him, he helped his vision. Help us, Lord, to follow that pattern as we come forward to your table today. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I encourage you to turn to page 12 in your hymnal if you'd like to follow along. Christ our Lord invites to His table all who love Him, who earnestly repent of their sin and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved You with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done Your will. We have broken Your law. We have rebelled against Your love. We have not loved our neighbors. And we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. If you'll remain seated and turn to one another and say, Peace be with you. If you'll look to the great Thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and a good and joyful thing always and everywhere to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, holy, holy Lord. God of power and might. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit.
On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread, gave thanks to you, broke the bread, gave it to his disciples, and said, Take, eat, this is my body which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup, gave thanks to you, gave it to his disciples, and said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. Pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and blood of Christ that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. Amen. Amen. I'm going to call those forward who are serving communion with me. Hand it to everybody. In the United Methodist Church, all who want to come forward for Holy Communion are welcome to do so. It is our practice that we come and kneel. The ushers will lead you this way. Nope, they'll lead you that way. They'll lead you to the outside, and if that person there will come here so that you can lead out and be in the same order that you were. We have gluten-free bread on the corners. If you would like gluten-free bread, just um, take that, and we'll know um, not to give it to you. You'll also see practice of people leaving uh, money on the altar. That goes to the Good Samaritan Fund, and the Good Samaritan Fund is um, uh, our office uses it to help people in different ways, shapes, and forms for mission and service uh, for the community. I'm going to call the choir forward. Here, you take this. Watch your step.
grateful to Adam and Thank you. Uh, thank you to those who put the service together. Thank you, family, uh, for coming and filling up an entire row. That's pretty cool. 
I encourage y'all to not, well, if you'd like to speak to Ann, I encourage you to go this way. I'll be fine. I'll see you next week. And the week after that, and the week after that, because this month is serious. Come to worship in October. Uh, I want you to be here. Go forth from this place and create more tables so that others may know grace, they may know love, they may know redemption. You have no concept of how healing it can be to help another one in their hurt. Go in peace.